and welcome to episode one of season two of Soup Dreams. As always, I'm your host, Kyle Gregory. Uh, happy to be back after a brief two-year hiatus. We finally found the microphone, folks. As you all know, the show began as a podcast instead of, you know, a blog uh, or a YouTube show because I don't have a nice camera, but I do have a microphone that plugs into my computer. And, you know, after a good run of the first seven episodes of season one of Soup Dreams, uh, I lost the microphone and then was unable to record the podcast with the kind of audio clarity that my audience uh, grew to rely on. And so here we are, two years later, I found the microphone. It was in the, uh, the electronics bin where all the like random cords are that I don't know what they, they do or where they go. And so kind of out of sight, out of mind, which is unfair to the microphone uh, because it is, you know, it doesn't deserve to be lumped in with, with that detritus. But it's back in a place of honor. It still works great. I see the levels going up and down as I record. It's like, it's like putting on an old jacket. It feels really comfortable. I feel really at home. I figure I'll give a little life update on me. It has been two years. There's a lot of changes. I guess I'll rank them, you know, by significance. I would say um, number one with a bullet is I got married to the person that if you listen to season one is frequently referred to as my girlfriend. Uh, she's now my ex-girlfriend because she's my wife. And as you all know, you can't have you can't have a, a wife and a girlfriend at the same time uh, unless you're European and I'm not. So I have a wife now. The same dietary restrictions and stuff apply. So you'll see me making a lot of gluten-free soups, trying to use organic ingredients, trying to you know make genuinely high quality foodstuffs for my wife and myself. Number two life event uh, in significance is I got a new job. I no longer work in advertising, which is good because I hated that job. It sucked. Advertising is bad. No one should have to do it. It's not art. That's, that's kind of like one of the great American lies is that advertising can be art or advertising can be something beyond just kind of this craven little abscess that has grown out of our capitalist economy. Advertising isn't necessary in a world that's kind of the foundations of the economy are kind of based on providing for people's actual needs. And so I hated doing that job. It made me feel bad all the time about myself and my life. And also I didn't get paid enough and I had no benefits. It was, it was a bad time. Now I have a new job that I really like working in labor and it, it's good. I help people instead of, you know, trying to get them to spend money on dumb stuff that they don't need to spend it on. I'd say one of the biggest differences between my current job and my, my old job you know, beyond the fact that I like one and I hate the other, and this one makes me happy and the other one made me want to die, is that I work in an office now instead of working from home. And I found that, you know, in addition to not being able to find the microphone, which is obviously the biggest kind of impediment toward doing season two of this show, is that when I'm not working from home, I like interact with other human beings and have conversations and not, and don't just like kind of stew, uh, you know, no pun intended, in my own brain for, you know, in some, in some cases like 48 to, 60 hours uninterrupted, just me and my thoughts. And you know, it's kind of like, uh, you know how you're on a long car trip and like your whole body just kind of starts to excrete kind of an, an indefinable like slime, you know? You just kind of get slimy as the hours progress uh, on your on your car trip. That's kind of how it was, but just like with my brain and thoughts. So, you know, my my apartment was like a car, well, I guess my apartment was like the highway and my head and body were like my car 
and my brain was like like my body inside the car, right? So you, you see what I'm saying? So if we're gonna break it down, kind of SAT style, you know, it would be apartment colon highway, and it would be car colon body, and then it would be body colon brain. So like in the same way, your body gets all slimy as you're driving on a road trip for hours and hours on end, and you just kind of start to smell bad and get weirdly wet in an unpleasant way. That's kind of what's happening in my brain. You know, not literally, because your brain's just always wet and suspended in fluid, but kind of metaphorically, my brain was getting slimy. The only way to kind of scrape that slime off was to speak into a microphone about soup as kind of uh, an outlet for, you know, the, the, the basic human need to connect with other humans, which is going unfulfilled in my instance because I basically imprisoned myself for no reason. It was, it was, uh, it was foolish of me. But you know what? I'm out now. Uh, and I found the microphone, and so I'm, I'm back back in action, baby. Uh, so that's that's number two with a bullet. Again, to review, number one with a bullet, married. Uh, number two with a bullet, got a new job. Number three with a bullet, I moved. So I now, instead of living in a studio apartment without a dishwasher, I have a two-bedroom duplex that has a dishwasher which helps a lot when you're making soup because you you know sometimes you can use multiple dishes, uh, multiple pots and pans. Today, that's not the case, but it might be in the future. Number one, marriage. Two, new job. Three, moved. Also, I moved like literally a block away from my other apartment, which is fine. My neighborhood is cool. I like it. Uh, and then uh, number four, big life change. I got a dog. Her name is Lucy. You probably heard her whining a second ago and me kind of like gently shushing her. She's very food motivated. She's a little French bulldog. She has a tan coat with kind of dark colored ears and a, a dark little mask on her face. She looks kind of like a pug, but she also kind of looks like me. And that's kind of what I look like because I have a big, a big you know brown beard and, and light skin. So in that way, we're very similar. It's kind of like if you have a child that looks like you, I have a dog that looks like me, but on four legs uh, and her nose is, is wet. And then uh, life change number five is I have a, a, a man's bun now. You know, that, that, that hairstyle that was widely derided back when Soup Dream Season 1 came out as being kind of like the uh, the hairstyle for the, the dude bro. I got one of those now. Uh, I don't think they're, they're made fun of as much anymore, which I enjoy because I don't, I don't like being made fun of. Yeah, and so that's, that's the five changes. Marriage, new job, new house, new dog, and, and the man's bun. I'm a better cook now, I think. If you'll remember Season 1, we kind of started with a bang with the vegetarian chili or the vegan chili, excuse me, then like every recipe after that, I was kind of disappointed in how I executed it. And so I think I've gotten better about that, but time will tell on that front. Uh, it's good to be back with everybody. I have been making soup. You know, my hiatus from the show was not a hiatus from soup. And why'd I come back? I don't know, I needed a, a creative outlet. This is a good weekend for me to jumpstart season two of the show because my wife is out of town. And it's, you know, that, that, old, that old saw that you hear all the time. It's, when the wife is gone, the soup is on. And so, you know, that was running through my head, you know, just over and over and over and over again, just constantly nonstop thinking the wife is gone, the soup is on, the wife is gone, the soup is on, the wife is gone, the soup is on. Just in syncopation throughout my mind for, you know, days. And I, I took that as a sign that I needed to reboot the show, kick it off with a bang, and, you know, give the people what they want. Because people do ask me all the time about when Soup Dream's coming back, we love the show, uh, we want to know more about soup. Where's the microphone? And I never had a good answer for them. And now, now uh, 
I'm here. I'm back. The show is back. You know, I don't like to talk about myself very much. This is a show about soup. The soup is the star. I'm just kind of the messenger for the star. Let's get into it. So the soup I made today is a galbi tang. And I actually don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, it's a Korean soup uh, made with beef short ribs. It's one of those soups that I don't know that I've had before. So I don't know how it's actually supposed to taste. It's very simple. There's very few ingredients. And so I don't think I could have possibly messed it up, but you know, we will see. I haven't tasted it yet. Um, the ingredients for this soup, which I got um, from the website kimchimarie.com, and she has lots of really cool Korean recipes on here. A pound and a half of beef short ribs, a cup of water, a yellow onion with a skin on, two green onions, well, technically four green onions, two for the cooking, two for uh, a garnish, two thick slices of ginger, half of a Korean radish, and I actually, I did this one wrong. I just put in two full Korean radishes because that's what I had. Two tablespoons of garlic chopped, two tablespoons of guk ganjang, which is a Korean soy sauce, a teaspoon of salt. And then uh, <clears throat> the way you prepare it is like super, super simple. You soak the ribs in cold water for half an hour, put them in the pot with your, your garlic, which you chop, with your green onions, which you just cut, in, like, cut down the middle, bisect so you don't have to chop them up very much. Your radishes, which you also just kind of put in big chunks, and then your onion with the skin on, uh, so you don't have to cut the onion. It's uh, incredibly easy to cook. And you put it in your instant, instant pot on the soup function for half an hour, and then you're done. So I did all that. To get the ingredients for this, I had to go to the Korean grocery store, and there's a couple of, I live really close to Koreatown, and uh, I always really like going in the Korean grocery store because there's really interesting foods and things to see. When I went in there, I was like, man, it's really cool that I live in LA where I can just enter a building and it's like I'm in another country. And then, you know, I was like, I was having that, that thought and feeling like very, you know, thought that was very cool. And then also wondering like, oh, well, am I being like, is that an appropriate way to feel? Or am I kind of otherizing like my Korean neighbors? Is it appropriate for me to kind of, you know, do this cooking adventurism? Uh, with a cuisine that I, I don't really know that well. And I don't know Korean food, like, hardly at all. I eat it from time to time because, I you know, I live here. But I kind of stick to what I know, and I don't get very adventurous. And I don't really have any Korean, like, guides on, on what to eat and where. One of my brother and I's friends from, from Lubbock, where we grew up, his parents own a Korean restaurant. I do know some stuff, you know, from eating there. My brother in particular loves Korean food, kind of because of his influence. But I have... It's something I haven't explored enough and I would like to. Anyway, one of the, like, uh, despite my kind of lack of experience with Korean food, my favorite restaurant slash like place to go in LA is a little a little bar called Dan Sung Sa. And it's like this really dark spot and there's always a huge line outside. And uh, the menus are on these laminate wooden boards because they would otherwise be destroyed by spilled beer and, and, and makgeolli and things like that. And just, you just go there, they have skewers, they have barbecue, they have kimchi, they have uh, little um, noodle dishes, basically anything that you would want. It's all super cheap, um, and you just order food and drinks in bulk at these giant communal tables. It's just very, very interesting kind of place that you wouldn't find outside of a city like LA. And it's there where I first tried uh, makgeolli, which is a, uh, a Korean kind of smooth, sparkling rice wine. And I, I like it. It's I like it better than sake. It's a little sweeter. Uh, I have some here. This is what brand is this? Um, Kuk Sundong or Dang? 
This is the standard rice flavor. They have some flavored ones. You can you can mix it up. Uh, you're supposed to shake it, and when you go to a Korean restaurant, they shake it like in a specific kind of swirly way that I haven't quite figured out how to make my wrist do. So I just shook it up the uh, the old-fashioned way. But I'm gonna give it a little taste here. It's good. It's it's really good. And the nice thing about Dansung Saw is they have these little height glasses where there's markers on them, and the markers have like a little ABV percentage next to them. And the way they work is like you fill your glass to that line with Makali, and then you top it off with height to finish the glass and it'll like change the ABV. So I have my my Makali of 750 milliliters, so three quarters of a liter. And then I have this comically large height uh, in a plastic bottle and it's by volume, it is uh, 1,600 milliliters, so uh, over a liter and a half. And I'm going to mix them together because this flavor, I've never not had Makali and Height in like a celebratory fun kind of situation. And so whenever I taste it, I just feel very enthused and excited and happy. And so I got my little mix coming in right here. Do to do. Just good because my throat is a little scratchy. That's good. It's very sweet. Height is a very sweet beer, and the makgeolli is obviously very sweet. It's rice wine, so technically it's a rice soup. Yeah, so we're kind of getting a two for one here, which means I probably need to go. I need to, to run through our um, our, our senses. So uh, step one, taste. Or excuse me, step one, uh, sight. Uh, it's like a cloudy white texture. It, it looks nice, it looks kind of milky and and almost chalky, but not in an unappealing way. Smell. It smells sweet and kind of, it smells kind of like sake. Very similar to sake actually, uh, but a little bit like sweeter and milder. Mouthfeel. There's like a little bit of a coating, like a ricey, like a thickness to it, but it's not unpleasant, it feels good. And flavor, as I said earlier, it's sweet. And, and a little bit of an alcohol tang, not too much. Uh, I, I really like it. It's also like dirt cheap, incredibly inexpensive. Yeah, so that's the situation there. The other stuff, let's see, what else, what else did I get the, the Korean market? I got, um, there's, so I got the, the, the Korean soy sauce for soup. So if you've ever been to a Korean market or really an Asian market, there's lots of different types of soy sauce, different thicknesses, different like amounts of time that they're uh, fermented for. I really don't know much about it. I should, I'd like to learn more just cause it's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a great condiment. But I got the, the soy sauce for soup, which is called gukganjang, and I got the gluten-free version. And apparently like what makes this like for soup is that it's lighter and, and saltier. And so it's also for children. So the bottle I got is for children or soup. And I, I got I got this one cause it's gluten-free. Um, so Lindsay can have the soup and I'm not like uh, tainting our instant pot with with gluten, which would not be very nice. And so I'm excited to try this. And then another uh, like fun thing about Korean food, which you probably already know, is that it comes with lots of little like accessories and things to enjoy. And so along with my, uh, my soup, I got uh, some kimchi and it's the, uh, it's kakdugi, but it's double K. So it's K-K-A-K-D-U-G-I. And so I don't know if it's like kakadugi or, or just, just kakadugi. I don't know how you pronounce it, unfortunately. 
but this is like the young radish kimchi. So I got some of that. Uh, I also got some stuff to fix my soup up with. Um, soy sauce, as mentioned, salt and pepper, um, some green onion, some garlic, and uh, some white rice. I think you eat the rice separately though, which is fine by me. It looks, it looks really nice. It's fun, and I'm excited to be back. I'm excited to taste it. Uh, so let's go and listen to our uh, audio collage. Alright, welcome back. Another wonderful audio collage. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I know you missed it. So I got my bowl in front of me. And so uh, the Galbitane kind of has a unfair advantage as far as the visual aspect is. You know, we always, if you're, if you're new to the show, we always review um, our bowls of soup using the five senses, starting with uh, sight. And so the Galbitane itself is not super attractive on its own um, because it is, it has so few ingredients. Uh, it's basically just, you know, a beef broth with chunks of beef and radish in it. The beef is brown, the broth is kind of an opaque beige, and the radishes are white. And so again, you kind of run into the, the long-running conundrum uh, that we face on this show, which is that many, many soups have a kind of fecal component to them. Uh, they, look, they look like doo-doo, and it's not always attractive. Uh, it's, not, it's not what you, you want in a food necessarily. But the Galway Chang, you know, like, like Ringo, uh, has a little help from its friends in the form of the rice, which is very pretty and, and fluffy, the salt, these green onions, this kimchi, the pepper. Uh, I also made a, a, a soy vinegar sauce, again, from the from, uh, another kimchi marie recipe um, that you should suggested using for uh, dipping, dipping little beef chunks in. Uh, let's, let's dig in. Um, she suggests sprinkling in a little bit of salt and a little bit of pepper and a little bit of the green onion. So I'm gonna dump in some fresh green onion. And like already, it makes the dish look a little more dynamic just to have those little green bits in there. Break things, break up the monotony a little bit. Uh, so let me give it a taste. And again, I don't know what this is supposed to taste like, but. All right, so I've only tasted the broth. And it definitely needs a lot more salt, so I'm gonna Go ahead and salt this up. Oh, and she also suggested, you know what? That's what's missing. I didn't add my soy sauce. So let me add my soy sauce for soup. And again, this is the saltier than normal soy sauce. So I'm gonna really kind of load that up in there because there's no salt in this dish in the cooking process, which is really weird. You know, normally when I make any kind of uh, soup with a, a meat component that's like, especially a beef component, you know, you want to brown it first, you know, maybe give a little salt and pepper, brown it with a little bit of oil, 
for a couple minutes, but this is just, you just straight up drop the, drop the chunks in. No browning, no salt, no pepper, no nothing. Um, so that first bite I took was incredibly bland. It kind of just tasted like warm beef water. And now, that's much, a much richer, much more complex flavor when I've added, when I've added my soy sauce. So that's much better. And it kind of like just immediately brings out, you can taste the garlic a lot better, you taste the onion, you can taste the ginger. It just kind of brings everything to life. Even the, the beefiness is a little more pronounced. I'm gonna try on these beef chunks now. It's very tender, not a ton of flavor, but again, she recommended that you dip the beef chunks in the, the uh, vinegar and rice, or the, the rice vinegar and soy, a little concoction. So I'm gonna try that and see if that improves the flavor a little bit. And that's good. I like it. This is a pretty fatty cut, you know, this beef short rib, and that vinegar really cuts the fat a nice way that kind of makes it pop. Ugh. Sorry, I didn't move Lucy away. Yeah, so you, you got the dipping sauce, that's really nice. I'm gonna try some of the rice now. I'm just gonna taste like a rice ice, you know? Yeah, it tastes like rice. I don't know why, what I expected. But it's, there's like a nice hominess. It's a very homey dish, you know, very simple. Very few ingredients. And you have the, the nice warm rice to kind of fill you up with some carbs. Got my kimchi. Before I try my kimchi, I want to try one of my radishes here. The Korean word for radish is mu, mu. We're doing a very fine word. It makes me think of Final Fantasy. The little, the little cat-like creatures are called moos. So that radish, after being in the instant pot, has like the barest structural integrity. It just kind of falls apart in your mouth. But it's not unpleasant. It's like, it's very different from a potato. Like, you know, a potato kind of retains that, that starchiness and that that mass when you bite into it. Like, it smushes, but it's still like the same amount of heft to the, to the, to the piece of food. Whereas this, uh, this radish just kind of immediately disintegrates in your mouth. But there you go. It doesn't really absorb the flavor of the soy sauce. Not in the same way that the beef does but it does have more of a ginger taste to it. It picks up that ginger pretty well. And now I'm gonna try uh, my kimchi, which is also made of radish, young radish. I like a nice crunch to it. A little spicy, got some anchovy paste. I like that, that's great. And so a friend of mine, when he saw the promotional video that I did for this episode, um, he pointed out that there's two radishes in this this meal, we've got the radishes in the in the soup and then the radishes in the kimchi. And you know, I told him, I was, I was honest with him, I said, this might be a ridiculous meal. And I wasn't prepared to, you know, uh, preemptively declare the meal ridiculous. But after having um, tried the radish in the soup and having tried the radish in the kimchi style, I think it's appropriate to say that this meal is ridiculous. And so I don't want that to, to turn you off or, 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 or make you fearful. Don't know if you can handle a ridiculous meal, but uh, it is, it is, it, it's ridiculous, which is fine by me. I eat a lot of radishes, 
longtime listeners know that kind of my I eat a lot of like uh, food that uh, feudal peasants would eat. Um, I eat a lot of beets. I eat a lot of cabbage, and then I eat a lot of radishes, which is kind of interesting that those those foods are universally like in in places where they grow are kind of like universally consumed by the hoi polloi of of whatever society it is. So you know, like my family was from Eastern Europe. And so they eat a bunch of cabbage and and and, uh, and beets, and you know turnips and radishes and like that kind of that kind of stuff. And then in Korea, they eat a bunch of cabbage, and they eat a bunch of I don't know if they have the beets there, but they eat you know turnips and and radishes. It's kind of interesting that those foods. They're, I mean, they're really they're really versatile. Also, like kind of unfairly maligned. You know, if you have a bad cabbage, you have bad cabbage. But you can prepare it so many different ways. It can be so good, whether it be kind of in a, in a slaw. Or in a, uh, a kind of stir-fry situation, or in a, a kimchi situation. I don't know, I'm really enjoying this kimchi. We're ranking the cabbages in this meal. Kimchi one with a bullet. And then the, 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 cap, the, the radish inside the soup is it's two with a bullet. It goes well with um, my tasty makli and height. Height's a beer, by the way. I should have mentioned that. It's just like, you know, a macro lager. Uh, nothing special. Very sweet. And you go a little bit deeper in the soup. Haven't had This is very homey. This is a very homey, hearty meal. Got your as as that um soy sauce has had time to kind of mingle in. It's definitely made a lot more of the flavors pop. And I think you know, we'll see we'll see where this uh, this soup stacks up uh when we get to rankings at the end. But now you've done our segments on the tasting. It's time to move on to soup news. Hopefully you can't hear, but my neighbors have begun watching TV, and I can hear it through the wall. Hopefully uh, that doesn't pick up on the microphone. So we got our soup news, and there's some big news in the soup universe. This is from a website called Mother Nature Network. Uh, it appears to be a website that exists to share stories about animals, to excite your aunt on Facebook. Um, this piece comes to us from Brian Nelson. And the headline is, Traditional Soup Ross Found with Healing Powers That Can Fight Off Malaria. And the subhead says, Grandma's Chicken Soup has got nothing on these miraculous broths. Kind of unfair shot at Grandma. Don't know why I need to drag her name through the mud just to make this point about the soups. So Brian talks to us about uh, new research from the journal An Archives of Disease in Childhood. And it's looked at uh, traditional soup broths around the world to see if they might have sickness-fighting properties. And so the way they did this study, uh, it was done by a researcher out of the Imperial College in London, which first of all, they got to change that name. You know, for all of our, our ills uh, in the United States, we don't really have like the, uh, you know, University of the Confederate States of America or like Jefferson Davis College. You know, we have the tact to just name buildings at universities after, uh, you know, Confederate war criminals, but not the, not the university whole cloth. Um, anyway, he, uh, this researcher asked pupils from various ethnic backgrounds in a primary school in London to bring them samples of homemade traditional soups. So they got this witch from a fairy tale heading up the research department over in Imperial College London, and he's kind of luring children into his lair by having them bring him soup. But in total, 60 soups with attested fever-reducing properties were brought in for analysis from all over the world. And so this dude bombed the witch. He was trying to test them uh, for their ability to fight against malaria. Because believe it or not, 
Um, the newest anti-malarial drug called artemisinin. It was derived from the Chinese herb qinghao. Those suits have been used for over 2,000 years in China to treat malarial-related fevers. Um, so he's, you know, trying to see if there's other soups that do that. They did the thing, blah, 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 blah. They grew some malaria. And four other broths were shown to with have 50% transmission blocking ability, uh, which prevented the male parasite from reaching the sexual stage of development. Hey, they must have been ladling that soup out to me as a child. So they didn't think this was going to happen. Um, they don't know why it happens. There might be more magic hidden within grandma's chicken soup than you ever thought possible. So Brian, uh, the guy who read this article, at least kind of turned around and gave grandma some credit, which I do appreciate. So yeah, there's four soups. I don't know what they are. It didn't tell me. So if you get malaria, I guess kind of the lesson is try 60 soups from around the world and f four of them may, uh, you know, stop the parasite from, the male parasite from uh, advancing to the uh, sexual stage. So that's soup news. That was honestly one of the more substantial soup news sections we've ever had, which is, is great. I think that's kind of a sign of, of, of God's favor on us as we progress into season two of the show. So we're going to move now into our next segment, which is one-star reviews, new name coming soon. And unfortunately, this website does not have a one-star review um, because it is kind of an enthusiast blog, which, you know, it's nice. You get a little positivity in the world. Uh, so we got to go to our other trick, which is search for the name of the soup on Reddit and then sort by controversial. And so I tried to do this beforehand, and I was kind of saddened to discover that Reddit has removed the sort by controversial feature. I mean, it's Reddit is literally the worst website in the universe. And so I guess this is like some attempt to mitigate that kind of inherent part of it by not like having people seek out things that make them mad. Uh, but it is a real damper on the show. So I'm just gonna click one at random. This one's called Beef Short Red Soup, Galbi Tang, and King Dunklings, uh, Wang Mandu in Jeju, South Korea. It has three comments and a guy named Dry Age Prime eight years ago, said, amazing, dot, 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 Koreans figured beef out long ago, dot, 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 dot. And so I don't have enough knowledge of Korean food to like verify that statement that Koreans figured beef out long ago, but the soup is good. I, I, I enjoyed the soup. And so I, I thank Dry H Prime for his input. Uh, hopefully he can, he can mail into the show sometime if he listens to this. You know, Dry H Prime, if you're out there, kgreg7 at gmail.com if you want to be a, uh, make a contribution to word salad. Speaking of, that's where we're at. We're going into the word salad segment of the show, which is where I answer reader mail. This week, we got a, a submission from, hold on, let me pull it up. Sorry, guys. And so our question this week comes to us from Aaron. He says, first off, love the show. First time, long time. And he's got a couple questions here. I'm going to answer two of them. Uh, one's super related. One is kind of off topic. But you know, we like to have fun here. We don't like to have too many restrictions. Um, and so the number one are Vietnamese pho and Japanese ramen in the same ballpark when it comes to uh, Asian noodle soups. And see, so this is kind of a subjective question, which we do try to steer away from on Soup Dreams. We try to answer kind of, you know, just the facts, ma'am, uh, when it comes to soup. Personally, I prefer ramen by leaps and bounds over pho. Uh, I find pho to be kind of a situational soup that I only want in specific circumstances. Um, and ramen, on the other hand, I will eat pretty pretty much at any opportunity. Probably the restaurant that I go to most in LA is uh, is Tatsu Ramen um, on Beverly. And they have uh, certified gluten-free noodles, 
which means that Lindsay can do it too. And yeah, that place doesn't doesn't ever go wrong. That's actually an advantage that pho has is that vermicelli noodles are made out of mung bean, and so most pho is gluten free. But I just happen to not not like it quite as much. Um, but is they're both fine soups. You can't really go wrong with either of them. And I I encourage everyone to enjoy uh, pho and ramen. You know whenever they, whenever they want. They're both terrific. Um, and then Aaron says. Do you think it's reasonable to assume that the Astros were the only team electronically stealing signs in 2017, knowing that many people come and go from a 40-man roster every year? Are we supposed to believe that the Astros expected everybody who left to remain silent on this issue? Or is Rob Manfred burying his head in the sand in an attempt to sweep this under the rug as quickly as possible, thereby distracting baseball fans from realizing that he has no idea how to manage his league? And so Aaron's using the, the word salad mailbag as kind of a bully pulpit to advance his agenda, um, but he's not wrong. And prior to a few days ago, if I was going through like the most significant months of my life, like I did earlier, uh, number two would probably be that the Astros won the World Series. But unfortunately, it seems like they probably cheated that whole season. And in many ways, it's like if the number one woman in my life, you know, getting married, if I had found out two years later that my wife was cheating, but worse, because if my wife was cheating on me, it could conceivably be partly my fault which is not the case here. Uh, so we'll see what comes of that. Uh, that's a developing story, which probably won't be covered on Soup Dreams because it's probably not going to be soup related. But thank you, Aaron, for your question. If you have a question for Word Salad, feel free to email it to me at kgreg7 at gmail.com. Um, you know, now that we found the microphone, maybe we'll also create a Soup Dreams email. But Again, we have we have issues with uh, Google not letting me create new emails on my phone number because I created too many client emails back in the day. <sighs> on to our penultimate segment, which is rankings, uh, where we'll rank our soups. Um, and it's actually going to be a combined segment this week because we have a correction and omission, episode 7, Silky Ginger Zucchini Soup, that tails into the ranking six system. In that episode, I created a third category, from staple soups, uh, exotic soups, and then we added vegetarian soups. And I realized that that was a a bad idea for two reasons. One, because we already had a vegan soup uh, in the exotic soups category. And two, because the uh, silky ginger zucchini soup is not vegetarian because it's made with chicken stock. So mea culpa, I I goofed on that one. And I, I know it was all over the message boards, everyone was mad. Kyle's lost it. He doesn't know what vegetarian means. He doesn't know that he's already made a vegan soup before. This show is trash. I hope he loses the microphone. I hope it takes him two years to record a new episode. I hope when he records the new episode that his dog is being extremely annoying the entire time and really breaking up the flow of the show in a noticeable way uh, that the audience hates and they don't listen to the second episode of the second season. And Kyle is uh, forced to you know, go into debt as he tries to bring Soup Dreams out from the nosedive. Um, and he has to sell it to a private equity firm and they serve it for parts. It's taken over by like the son of the owner of the company and doesn't even know anything about soup. And he turns it into a podcast uh, about like his exotic vape flavors that he mixes in his garage. And so it just, you know, all that to say, I'm sorry guys, I shouldn't have done, shouldn't have done that. I should have paid more attention. And uh, today's rankings are gonna be, you know, airtight, flawless. Gobby Tang, uh, we're gonna put this in the exotic soup category, even though, uh, you know, ingredient wise, it's not very exotic. Or then you have to get the, the Korean radish, uh, which is not difficult, at least if you live in, in L.A. So with the knowledge of the misclassification of the silky ginger zucchini soup in the previous episode, uh, I'm going to go ahead and re-rank them for you guys just to get you reset. 
I know you're keeping spreadsheets at home, but if there's any new listeners, maybe they haven't done that. So we have our two categories. You have staple soups, which is stuff that, you know, the, the rubric I kind of use is if I make the soup more than once or twice a year, and then exotic soups are soups that I make for the show. Staple soups, number one with a bullet, we've got Texas chili. Number Now n- new number two with a bullet is our silky ginger zucchini soup, followed by uh, number three with a bullet, um, beef stew. So congratulations to those those three soups, each deserving of their ranking. You know, if you want to learn more about them, go back uh, and listen to season one. And then for our exotic soups, which is where we're going to put the the galbutang, I think we're going to have to go one, borscht, two, in an upset, I'm going to put the galbutang in there. You know, I, I don't want to give it a little extra oomph because it's a newcomer, but it is a little more interesting and more complex than egg drop soup, which is our new number three, uh, oyster stew. Or vegan chili, which is our number four. And then, of course, uh, oyster stew, which is at the bottom. That one's a disaster. Now, the gao is a solid soup. Very easy to make. You get the opportunity to include fun ingredients like the kimchi and the rice and uh, the soy vinegar sauce. Um, it's a great deal. Uh, I encourage you to try to make it. You can make it in the Instapot. It's a very inexpensive soup as well. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you enjoyed the show. It's really great to be back. Uh, I'm not sure how often I'm going to be doing season two, if it's going to be weekly or bi-weekly, um, but keep your eyes peeled. Download me on your favorite podcasting app, and uh, I'll be back soon with a new soup to warm your ears. Bye-bye.